When I was a young boy, 17 or 18, one of the men at church on a Sunday evening about 5.56 p.m. came up and said, we would like for you to lead the closing prayer. And I couldn't believe that I said yes for my first time. When I got up, I used the words, let us pray. And when I said, let us pray, all the heads bowed. And I said to myself, that really works. <laughs> but then, those were the scariest moments or seconds in my life to be able to hear myself utter some words, being as petrified as I was. In those moments, you don't remember what you say or what you said, but you're thankful uh, for the opportunity. This morning, that's our focus, is let us pray. Let us pray. Prayer is simply talking to God and knowing that He listens. We have our thoughts. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. So from our hearts, we form words and we pray to God and He listens. 1 Peter 3, 12, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and His ears are open unto their prayers. Prayers. A favorite phrase found in the book of Psalms is the phrase, incline your ear. Psalm 88, verse 2 and 3. Lord, incline your ear my way. Incline your ear. Psalm 31, verse 2. Bow your ear toward me, Lord, and hear, hear my prayer. Hear my prayer. And so we'll bounce around just a few minutes together and think about praying. Pray. Let's begin with the three types of prayers. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. The three types of prayers. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. You see that Paul says, he mentions prayers, but then he mentions these three types of prayers. Supplications, intercessions, giving of thanks. Let's mention those and think about those for just a minute. The first type of prayer, supplication. Supplication. This is when we make our request known to God. Our request. We ask for God to do something for us. Philippians 4 and verse 6. Remember what Philippians 4 verse 6 says. Be anxious in nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request, let your request be made known to God. Supplication means to ask for something. To make our request but it means more than that. It means to beg and to plead. To beg and to plead. A great example of this is as we turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 1. You remember, you remember Hannah and how badly she wanted a child from the Lord. And she was praying fervently. And Eli saw her. And then he thought that she was drunk. And she said, no, I'm not a worthless woman. I'm not a wicked woman. I'm not, I'm not drunk. 
But she explains it to, um, in verses 15 and 16, she explains it. Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have, I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of great anxiety and vexation of my soul. I've been pouring out my soul. This is what God has in mind for us to do as we make our request unto Him. Not just request, but a begging of the Lord. You might also recall 2 Kings 20, uh, verses 1 through 5. Hezekiah had become sick, and the Lord had told him through Isaiah the prophet, to set your house in order, uh, you are about to die. Hezekiah, on his bed, turned to the wall and prayed, and he wept bitterly. And before Isaiah could really leave the compound, the Lord came to Isaiah again and said, Turn around, go back, and tell Hezekiah that he shall live 15 more years. But notice how both Hannah and Hezekiah prayed fervently. Fervently. We read in James 5 and verse 16 that the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so the first type of prayer is supplication, making our request. Quickly, here's what we learn. First, let's be sure to be passionate in our prayers. Let's be passionate in our prayers. Let's not just pray, but let's beg God. Beg God. If you haven't begged God as a beggar, you really haven't prayed. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 7? Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be uh, opened unto you. Those, those verbs are continuous in action. In other words, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Let's also learn quickly here to be confident in prayer. To be confident. Both Hannah and Hezekiah had their request fulfilled by God. God does listen. And if it's for our good, for our soul's benefit, God will grant us our request. Somebody might say, well, Malachi 3 verse 6 says that God never changes. Well, Malachi 3 verse 6 is talking about God's judgment. And the prophet there is warning his people that if you do not change, then God will act like he's always acted. He will punish the evildoers and he will reward uh, the righteous. So God has always been that way. But on the other hand, God is anxious to hear our prayers. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Unto him who is able to do far above exceedingly and abundantly above what we can ask or think, to him be glory in the church. You see, God wants to grant our petitions if we will ask him. And let's also learn that as we pray, Let's put aside our anxiety. That's what Philippians 4, 6 says. Let's put, out, put aside our... Be anxious in nothing. Then make your request. Okay. Far too many of us, as you know, and I'm guilty and you're guilty, we want to make our request, but we want to keep our anxieties with us. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
Don't you love the song? Oh, how prayer, oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer can change your night unto day. It can. It can. So the first type of prayer is supplication. The second type of prayer is intercession. This is when we pray to God for somebody else. Intercession. Praying to God for someone else. Let's think of a couple of examples of that. One would be, if you go all the way back to Genesis 20 and verse 17, Abraham prayed for King Abimelech. Abimelech was king of a place called Gerar. And remember, Abraham had lied to the king and said that Sarah was his sister, which might have been technically so, but still, it was a lie. And so Gerar, or, or Abimelech, had taken Sarah as his wife. And God had, had brought a curse upon uh, the king and his family and the women of the kingdom. The women of the kingdom could not bear a child, and, and Abimelech and his wife were, were uh, cursed with a sickness. But um, Abraham prayed to God, and God uh, cured Abimelech. And, was, and he also took off the curse from the women and they were able to bear uh, children. Luke 22 is another example of intercessory prayer. Luke 22, 31 and 32, Jesus to Peter, Jesus said to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. You see there? I have prayed for you. Another one that concerns Moses way back in Numbers 21 in verse 7 where the people have been complaining and God had sent out fiery snakes among them and they were becoming sick and, and dying and the people asked Moses to pray for them and Moses does that and God sets up the, the serpent in the wilderness so they could be healed. But first... Moses prayed for them, Numbers 21 and verse 7. In Genesis 25 and verse 21, Isaac's wife, Rebekah, was barren, and Isaac prayed for her that she might be able to bear children, and God granted his request there. So there we have several examples of intercessory prayer. Another one is found in Colossians 4 and verse 12 by a Christian by the name of Epaphras. Epaphras. Okay. Epaphras. He was of the church in Colossae. And Paul says that he struggles in your behalf, strives in your behalf uh, for your soul as he prays, as he prays for you. So it's intercessory prayer. What are some, what are some very important, specific things we ought to pray in regard to other people? Well, here's a few things. We ought to pray that other people will be saved from their sins. Notice Romans 10 and verse 1. Paul says, My heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they may be saved. That's number one. We pray that other people may be, may be saved from their sins. A second thing is, and I want to read this verse. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 13. because This is kind of a new one for me. To really sink down in my heart. I want you to see it too. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 7. Here's a second thing we ought to pray in regard to other people. Here's what Paul says. 
2 Corinthians 13 and verse 7, But we pray to God that you may not do wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test ourselves, but that you may do what is right. Okay. And that's a great thing to pray for others, that you will not do wrong, but do what's right. So we pray for others. We pray that others may be saved. We pray that others will do what is right. What is right. According to, according to uh, 2 Timothy 1 and verses uh, 3 and 4, Paul prayed for Timothy because he remembered Timothy's tears. So we pray for other people to be comforted. We pray that they may be saved. We pray that they may, they may do what is right. We pray that they may be comforted. <coughs> When Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, Philippians 1 verses 9 and 10, he prayed that their love may abound more and more. So we pray for other people. What do we pray? We pray that their love may abound more and more. When Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, Colossians 1, 9 and 10, he prayed that they may be full of God's knowledge and understanding and they may be able to grow uh, by that and be fruitful. So we pray for others to have spiritual growth and have knowledge to do that. And so notice these five things that we, we pray. We, we're, we're practicing intercessory prayer and we're praying for other people. We pray that they may be saved. We pray that they may do what is right. We pray that they may be encouraged and comforted. We, we pray that their love may abound more and more. And we pray that they may have God's wisdom and knowledge and understanding seeking deep into uh, their hearts. And so a second type of prayer is intercessory prayer. We pray to God on behalf of other people. And as you can see here, the more you pray for other people, the more it makes you look back at yourself. So we're, as we're praying these things for other people, we have to stop and think, yep, I need this myself in a worse way. So think about praying for other people. If, if you can think of it, or maybe it's a good practice, but uh, I know I do it. If I think or hear of someone who needs particular prayer, I'll write this down on the index card. And I have index cards stuffed everywhere. But for good reason, because at night, when I finally get to sit down, I'll go through my index cards and I'll see these names and these notes so I'll have them ready uh, to pray to God. Now, some of you who do not know how to use pen and paper, if you want to use your phone, you go right ahead. But uh, I, I'm still able to use pen and paper myself. Right. Another great thing to do is to take your hand take your thumb and put it right to your chest and let the thumb represent those who are closest to you, your family, your friends, those you interact with every day. Pray for them. And then the next finger is the pointing finger. Pray for those who point the way. Preachers, teachers that you know, missionaries, pray for those who point the way. The next finger stands the tallest. So you pray for your leaders, leaders of your cities, leaders of your schools, leaders of uh, the states and nations, uh, both locally and worldwide. The next finger is your ring finger. You pray for, pray for marriages. Okay. Pray for marriages. Pray for the home. Pray, pray for the children. And then the, your last finger is the weakest finger. So pray for those who are struggling. 
Pray for those who are suffering. Pray for those who may be uh, sick. Okay. But whatever you do and however you do it, we think about the need for intercessory prayer. While we're right there, we probably need to make a strong indention into our hearts and be sure to be praying for our nation, praying for our, our, our governments, praying for nations both local and world, worldwide. And my brother, I have a younger brother, about four years younger than my, I am. He lives in Birmingham and he called me the other night and he was traveling from one place to another and he said, you've been watching the news? I said, no. And so he decided to bring me up to date on the news. And I thought, we need to be praying for our nation and for nations across uh, this world. The third type of prayer is giving of thanks. They are mentioned in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 1, the giving of thanks. This is not just singing, sending a thank you note to God. This is praising God because he's the source of every blessing. He's the source of every uh, blessing. So we praise him in our hearts and through our words. We're giving God applause. We're, we're giving God a standing ovation because he is the source. Okay? I'm not saying clap your hands. I'm saying in your heart, in your thoughts, you're wanting to extend a great deal of adoration and praise uh, to him. Jesus teaches us this in, in Matthew 6 verses 9 and 10 when he says pray like this our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so we ought to pr praise God in prayer as our holy father praise him as our holy father and then praise him as our ruling king ruling king because there is a kingdom and when we submit to God and follow him he makes us part of his kingdom and then pray to Him as a loving Master. Thy will be done, O Lord, my Master. Thy will be done on earth in my life as it has been constituted uh, in heaven. And so we praise, praise Him. These three types of prayers can help us in our prayer life. I want us to move on now to the next part of our lesson, and that is to think about Jesus and these three types of prayer, prayers. Jesus and the three types of prayers. Notice just one example, John 17. John 17, Jesus has quite a long prayer right before um, his ordeal of the cross. Has a long prayer there in John 17. Notice that first of all, Jesus will make supplication. He will have a request for God. Notice John 17 verse five. John 17, verse 5, Jesus looks to the Father and says, Glorify thou me with the glory that I had with you before the creation of the world. Before the foundation of the world and before the creation of the world. This points directly to the fact that Jesus is Lord and God himself, just as the Father and Spirit are. Jesus had the glorious Godhood, Jesus was as glorious before we ever come along as he always had been. And so that's his request 
to God. Glorify thou me with the glory I had before the creation of the world. In other words, our serving Jesus doesn't enhance him one little bit. But following him, of course, helps us to grow. And then Jesus, in John 17, he prays for other people. Notice in John 17, 15, he prays for his apostles. John 17, 15. And he says to the Father, he says, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but I pray that you'll keep them from the evil one, that is the devil. That's a great prayer, isn't it? I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. And in John 17, 20 and 21, Jesus prays for all of us who will keep the word of the apostles, that, that all of us will be one as the, as the Father and Son are one, that we also may be one in them. And then notice in John 17 how Jesus praises the Father. In John 17, verse 1, he refers to him as just simply Father. But in John 17, 11, he is called Holy Father. And then in John 17, 25, he is called Righteous Father. These are beautiful ways to start our own prayer. Sometimes start out and say just Father. Sometimes start out and say Holy Father. Sometimes add Righteous Father. And this will add thoughts to our own hearts just in the way we address of the Lord. Let's now think about prayer and Jesus and the cross for a minute. Turning over to Luke 22 and 23, Jesus and the cross and prayers. Notice that in Luke 22:44, Jesus will make a request of God, a supplication. He will say, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. We can see the anguish of soul that Jesus was in for our behalf. But then he quickly says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. See how similar that is to Matthew 6, 9 and 10 as Jesus teaches us to pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's praising the Father. He makes request of the Father, but he quickly praises the Father as well. And then as Jesus is hanging on the cross, we all remember Luke 23, 34, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do. So right there at the cross, Jesus is, is making supplication, he's making intercession, but he is also praising the Father, giving thanks unto the Father. Let's think about prayer in the Lord's Supper for just a second. Let's think about prayer in the Lord's Supper. These very elements of prayer come to mind as we partake of the Lord's Supper. For me, the Lord's Supper is mainly about praising the Lord, giving thanks unto Him. It is a remembrance of what He has done for us. But also remember as you read through 1 Corinthians 11 and Paul's instructions about the communion he says, be sure to examine yourself. So it ought to be something very personal. So we're praising the Lord on the one hand, but we're also, we're also making requests of the Lord to help us to, to let the meaning of the Lord's Supper actually come into our daily hearts and lives as well. But think about the remembrance of the Lord's Supper for just a second. I don't know, you know, I don't know exactly how you work it out. But here's what I often say. 
when we're thinking of the bread, we're thinking of the bread, that represents the life of Jesus and the body that he had on earth. And he died in my place. He died in our place. Okay. Our sins should have put us on the cross, but he took our place. So that's my place. When I'm eating the bread, I say to myself often, that's my place. I deserve to be there. And then the fruit of the vine is for my cleansing. Because the blood of Jesus cleanses my sin. And then we take it only on the first day of the week because this is the day of the resurrection. So that's my hope. So the thoughts in the communion ought to surround these three thoughts. My place, my cleansing, my hope. And you add your own thoughts there in a scattered sort of way, whatever it is that may be on your mind or whatever scripture you may have on your mind during that morning. But basically, we're looking at the fact that Jesus took our place, he shed his blood for our cleansing, and he was resurrected for our hope and our assurance. And then, let's think about prayer and our children for just a second. <coughs> prayer and children. We ought to use supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks in regard to praying for our children. We ought to think about our children and pray a request prayer to God. We ought to ask God something for ourselves as we seek to guide our children and grandchildren. A great statement about this is Judges 13 verse 7. Judges 13 verse 7. Remember Manoah and his wife would eventually have Samson. Manoah says to the Lord, teach me what I am to do with this child who is about to be born. And please underscore that in Judges 13 and verse 7. Lord, teach me what I am to do with this child who is about to be born. If parents could pray that prayer before the birth of the children and then all throughout the child's lives, continuously, Lord, what am I to be doing with this child that has now been born? Teach me, Lord, what to do. That's a request that all parents should make. But then what about intercession? We're going to pray for our children also, aren't we? All that list we just make, just made are what we should be praying for our children, that they may be saved, that they may do what is right, that they may be encouraged, that they may abound more and more in love, that they may have their hearts full of understanding, that they will be fruitful for the Lord, that they will not be taken out of this life, but they be kept from the evil one. Pray all those things constantly in behalf of your children and then thank God for your children. Thank the Lord for your children. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these children. I often thank the Lord for children because I know how pitiful I would be if I had not had a wife and children. If I had just been left alone, then I would not have... I would not have put forth the effort to grow and to be the example that I would need to be because um, 
I've been, I was blessed by these responsibilities. So we thank the Lord uh, for our children. Prayer. Prayer. Let us pray. Let us pray. Do you pray? How often do you pray? Do you pray in a passionate way? Do you pray with a great deal of faith and confidence? From your prayers, are you able to have that peace that passes all understanding? But this question especially, are you qualified to pray? Not everybody gets to pray. Only those who can truly call God their Father can pray. You see, that's the reason we go through the new birth process through faith and repentance, confession and baptism. We are made a new creation, a child of God. And now we can call upon Him as our Father. Psalm 66, 18 also warns us that if, that if we keep iniquity in our hearts, the Lord's not going to hear us. And that's very true. Am I qualified uh, to pray? Well, this has not been a deep dive at all into the idea of praying, but just some few thoughts that can help us to pray. And perhaps these thoughts can also help us to look deeply into our own hearts and lives. I'm thankful that we have these scriptures as you are. I wish we had more time to look at these scriptures in more detail. But these can serve as a guide for us because we want to pray. The early church continued steadfastly in prayer, Colossians 4, verse 2. Acts 2, 42 says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of the bread and in the prayers. So let us pray. And if we can assist you with any spiritual need this morning, will you please make that known as right now, Brother Paul, as right now as we stand together and sing.